0: Thank you guys I hope you I know you guys I know you guys appreciate all that goes on um, with
1: those who lead us in songs of praise and so forth. It's always good to remind them how much you appreciate them. It's never, it never gets old to show appreciation, to show gratitude, So I'd encourage you to send a text. Write a note or just tell a person, thank you for all you do. And if you're having a hard time seeing the evidence of God's goodness in your life tonight, I'd encourage you to ask him to reveal that goodness. He is so faithful. He will answer it. That <laughs> was, was the other day. I, I lost. What did I lose the other day? No, I, 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 that, not that one. I lost something else. It was my keys, huh? No, what, what did I find in my gym bag? Anyhow, it was something. My keys, was it? it was my keys. I didn't listen to Victoria. I ignored her. It was funny, I got it. But, you know, so I was, I was, I was like, Lord, for two days, I'm like, Lord, Lord, where are my keys? I cannot find them. I've searched my house. I've, my wallet, that's what I lost. I couldn't find my wallet. That's what it was. The plethora of things. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting. It's two days, I can't find my wallet. I'm looking, 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 going back. i in my office, my house, looking, looking, looking. Go, Lord, please, please. I'm in bed. It's like in the morning. I'm in bed. I'm like, Lord, please show me where are my keys at. I don't know where they're at. And I've been asking the Lord that, by the way. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, there was a flash of my gym bag. It was like in my head. It's like. It's in my gym bag, isn't it, Lord? I know where it's at now, Lord. Uh, sure enough, go in there and there's my, there's my gym bag. I mean, there's my wallet. So Lord is very faithful, even with finding a wallet. And he sure does want to show you how good he's been to you. So your faith and your gratitude can grow. That's what we're going to focus on this month in November. We're going to focus on gratitude. Growing in gratitude. I want to call it gig, G-I-G, gig. You know, not gigging frogs, but just gig. Growing in gratitude gratitude thank you it's really actually Stephen, Stephen austin he he came up with it i think i had sid or something like that i don't know what a git or whatever growing in thanksgiving but it, it didn't go very well so free free charge we never we need a lot of people in our lives so anyhow gig growing in gratitude i think one of the best ways for us to grow in gratitude is that we focus on our lord We focus on who he is. We focus on his character and even his his acts, which are born out of that. Moses, if you remember, in the book of Exodus, chapter thirty-three, he says, "Lord,"
0: he said, "Show me, show me your glory." And uh, in chapter thirty-four, the Lord does that,
1: but not in a way that you might think. You might think, "Hey, the Lord's going to." Show him the stars in the heavens. He's going to show him up close what the sun is like. All the galaxies he's created, you know. Maybe, maybe take him to the top of a mountain and show him the entire world. He, he doesn't do that. That's what I would think he would do. But this is what he does. It says
0: that he uh, put him in the cleft of a rock, passed by him. And Moses heard this. Self testimony. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful
1: and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who by no means will clear the guilty. Yeah, it's his character. He's kind, he's gentle, he's just. And so this month, I want us in, in three different nights to look at the character, one character aspect of our God. And hopefully, as we meditate on it, we will grow in gratitude. When we grow in gratitude, the benefits are multiple there's a peace. You can walk through difficult times, and when your heart is full of thanksgiving and appreciation, you can walk through the fire fires of life and still sing, still be, still be thankful instead of being depressed. You think of in Acts chapter 16, maybe 17, the Apostle Paul and Silas are beaten. It's midnight, they're in prison, and what do they do? They sing songs to their God. If I'm beaten, I'm probably not going to sing songs. I'm going to groan a lot and probably just kind of whimper in the corner. But that's not what Paul and Silas did. They had hearts of gratitude. So growing in gratitude is very beneficial. It keeps you in peace with God, with other people. It really helps you to appreciate, see life as God sees it. You can see other people as God sees them.
0: If you have your Bibles open, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna open up to Psalm chapter 13. Psalm 13 says this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long
1: will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? We're going to look at the steadfast love of the Lord tonight. It's probably the bedrock of our God. It's what he most presents to us. Maybe his greatest feature, his greatest quality is his love. At least what we feel, what we experience, what we benefit from is his steadfast love. Now, when you think of this psalm, you hear it first. You hear, how long, right? The beginning first couple of verses how long oh lord how long how long how long four times he asked the lord
0: four times what does that tell you what does that tell you does that speak to you of how difficult the situation was when you ask the Lord four times,
1: Lord, I'm in a bad spot. And I can't feel you. I can't see you. I ha- I don't see your
0: evidence at all. How long, Lord, will you hide your face from me? You know? How long will you not show me favor? How long will I not 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 know you're there? You know, when you go through
1: hard times, you want people to be around you, right? To say, hey, I I got it. I understand. You know, I'm sorry that you're going through this. But he feels
0: nothing from the Lord. He asked him four times. How long? How long? How long? It's tough. It's tough. He only finds the counsel, he says, in my own soul. And that's really not enough, is it?
1: When you go through a hard time, you need something external. You, other people, but really ultimately, we want the Lord, don't we? We really want the Lord. We're going through tough times. And if you've not gone through a tough time right now yet in your life, I know some of you probably haven't. I really didn't at your age, but, but you will. You'll go through
0: a time when your whole world is turned upside down. When everything you've known is gone. When your normalcy is taken away, your feelings, your actions, your hopes, it's gone. Christine and I went through that about 18 months after
1: my last, second to last surgery, 18 months. I can totally feel that. I remember I'd asked the Lord
0: multiple times. Lord, I'm done. I'm not going through this anymore. I'm done. You need to take me home with you. Because I didn't feel him. There was no hope. How long, Lord? Will you give me any answers?
1: So I understand exactly what this guy was going through. And this guy, by the way, is King David who wrote this song? And King David, if you don't know, King David is no wimp. He is a man's man. He is a man's man. In chapter 16 and 17 in the book of of Samuel, we're introduced to David. And this is what it says about David. It says, let me pull up my notes here. So I wrote them all down. I'm like, wow, this dude's really, really good. Even though he was eighth of seven brothers, it says that he was handsome, he had beautiful eyes, he was ruddy, or he was reddish in appearance. Maybe he had red hair, maybe his skin was reddish. It says that he was empowered by the Spirit. He was a skilled musician. He was a man of courage, a man of strength, a man of valor. He was a man of war. He wasn't just a dum-dum. He was a man who was prudent in speech. He knew what to say, when to say it. What did others say about him? He said he was a man of God, that the Lord is with them. They saw this about him. He was a man who served in the highest
0: departments of the kingdom. He served the king, King Saul. And he did such a good job, he married the king's daughter. I mean, that's pretty good. That's
1: pretty good. When I told somebody that <laughs> when I told somebody that about about, um, about David, they said, Oh, he's yummy. I thought that was funny. He's I don't I don't think he's yummy, but he's a he's a dude I'd hang out with though. He's all those things. And so he was really going through a bad time. And if a man like that can struggle, we all struggle sometime. All struggle we know that some if you don't know some of david's struggles they were some he caused and some that was caused by others he was caused by others was caused by his father-in-law his father-in-law was jealous and if you read in the book of samuel you'll find that at least nine times his father-in-law hunted him down in order to kill him nine times at least nine times that's what's recorded it could have been more And it was close. There were times when
0: it was really close. It was, was, he was on the heels of death. And then um, his son, one of his sons later on in life,
1: tries to take the kingdom from him. One of his sons came in to the capital city, ran David out of town, and almost killed him. Almost had him killed, but the Lord intervened and gave his son some bad advice. David caused problems himself. He was unfaithful to one of his best friend's
0: wives. That caused problems as well. We don't know what it was that was such, such a,
1: what a situation he was in when he wrote this psalm, but he was in a, he was in a situation. And he knew situations. He knew situations. And he knew he knew who to call out to. He didn't hold it in himself. He said, even though I don't feel you, I'm still going to talk to you. I'm still going to talk to you. Because he says this. He says, he says, Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes. Lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. He doesn't just give up on the Lord. He calls out to him. Sometimes that's our problem, huh? We just kind
0: of stop talking to the Lord. And we just pull up our boots and we go ahead. Because, you know, that's what we do. You know. We just march on we got the power within us. But even though David didn't feel it, he still called out to the Lord. He still asked for help. He still knew something. He still remembered some things. He still knew the steadfast
1: love of the Lord. He knew that the Lord's love had not abandoned him. The Lord had not abandoned him. There were a couple promises made to David early on in his life. In First Samuel chapter 16, um, 17, excuse me, um, the Lord promises him the kingdom. He promises that David will one day be king in Israel. And so whether David was going through a time when his father-in-law was chasing him through the deserts, hot on his heels, just around the corner, David could recall that time with the prophet Samuel in chapter 17 and say, "Ah, oh, the Lord, I'm close to death. This isn't looking good,
0: but he promised me something. He promised me that I would be the king. So he held on to that. That was an anchor. He knew that the Lord would not fail his word.
1: So he calls out to his God remembering his steadfast love. Second promise in second in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David's about ready to build the temple, which he never built, but he's about ready to build a temple. And the Lord says, no, 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 hold on. I'm going to take care of you. And he says, he says listen, David, I'm going to build you up, your, your house. I'm going to put a son on the throne and he's going to reign forever. And so, so David could see, even if it was during the later times of his life, he said, you know what, he's going, to, he's going to build up my house. It's not going to come to ruin. So he could hope in that promise. He could hope that he was not going to come to destruction. That's why he could call it to his God. Because he had seen the Lord's faithfulness to and from. Going back to the, going back to the um, second, 1 Samuel chapter 17, this is where David's, um, David is going to face Goliath. And, you know, they're, the king agrees, yeah, go, go face the giant, go face the warrior. And they're trying to put armor on him, right? Give him a sword, give him the weapons of war, you know, get him geared out. And, but he's too small. It's too big for him. And he goes, he goes guys, I, I'm summarizing right now. He goes, guys. I remember when I took care of the sheep back home. When the lion attacked, when the bear attacked, he said, and it would grab one of the sheep. He said, I would hit it. If it didn't let go, I would grab it, and I would slay it because my God was with me. He recalled how faithful the Lord had been even in those days. So he could recall back years later going, you know what? even though there is a person out to get me right now, and I'm on the edge of destruction, what the Lord told me
0: is going to come about. I'm going to be a king. My family is going to be built up, and one day I'm going to have a son who's going to sit on the throne. He's going to build the temple, and he's going to reign forever. That's important.
1: To remember how faithful God is. The word for steadfast love is,
0: is hesed. Hesed. And it means loyal. Loyalty. The Lord is loyal. That's what his love. His love never fails. It never, it never lets us down. Never. I read a book.
1: I'd recommend the book. It's called uh, Rombrand, Tortured for Christ, A Complete Story. Um, Richard Rombrand was a pastor in Romania before um, World War II. And he was, uh, he, he suffered under the hands of the Nazis. And then he really suffered under the hands of the communist country, of communism. And he was arrested. He spent... Almost 14 years in prison, in a communist prison. This isn't a prison in, like in America. If you've ever been to a prison in America, it's it's not good. I wouldn't suggest going there. But I've been there, not not because I was arrested, but because I was doing work for the prison, and it's pretty it's pretty posh a little bit for a prison. I mean, guys, are, I mean it was <laughs> it was the middle of the afternoon. It was hot, and I went into a room that was air conditioned. The prisoners were watching TV. Some this afternoon soap opera or whatever it was, you know, and kick him back. And I'm like,
0: it's not so bad. Not so bad.
1: But a communist prison, a whole different story. Whole different story. I want to read a section out of this. And by the way, his, his imprisonment, the first, he was in prison twice. First one lasted eight years, then he was released for three years. Then he went back into the exact same prison system he was in. And here's what he writes. Remember, he's in prison because he's preaching Christ, and Christ is a threat to communism. So he puts him in prison for that. It says this.
0: The wall in front of Richard reminded him. Let me back up a little bit.
1: Richard was forced to stand on the tips of his toes with his arms touching the ceiling. When the blood abandoned his limbs, he collapsed, only to be beaten back to position. For several hours each day, Richard was forced to adopt obscene, crude, and ridiculous postures. If the goal was to steal his dignity, the guards succeeded as they laughed at each position. As the guards racked his body Creating countless welts, he imagined Jesus standing on the other side of the wall, comforting and suffering with him. If Christ could stretch out his arms on the cross, Richard could raise his own as well. Moses, the leader of the Israelites, who came to mind came to mind. As long as Moses' hands were raised, the Jews had triumphed in their war against the Amalekites. Often blindfolded, Richard could not construct a mental map of the prison. But One room he knew well was the menage, the training ring, as the prisoners called it. Dreadfully small, the entire cell could be circumnavigated in 12 paces. After four steps, there was a wall, then two more steps and another wall. He was forced to walk in circles around its periphery for hours. Walk, he demanded. He He was ordered. Keep going around. Richard obeyed bruising himself as he bounced off the walls. His, he felt lightheaded and his eyes stung from sweat. After several hours, the room began to blur. Richard closed his eyes and slammed into the walls while trying to retain enough mental clarity to pray for the guards who were harassing him. Faster, they told him. One of the guards cracked a wooden club against Richard's elbow, sending radiating pain up his arms. Get up, get moving. The next day, Richard was instructed to squat on the floor with his arms behind his neck. The guard shoved a metal bar behind his elbows, lifted his body in the air, and lashed his feet, thighs, and spine with a nylon whip. The blacked-out goggles on his head prevented Richard from bracing for the impact of the lashes, causing the pain of each strike to double. After only a few beatings, Richard lost consciousness, but the guards brought him back to reality by hurling a bucket of ice-cold water in his face. The following week, Richard's cell... The following week, um, his captors came into Richard's cell and held a knife to his throat. The blade penetrated his skin several times and lacerated his chest. Richard awoke to discover his torso covered in blood. When stabbing failed to inflict enough pain, um, a funnel was inserted into Richard's mouth and water poured down his throat until his stomach almost ruptured. Then he ordered the guards to kick Richard until he vomited. One day Richard was blindfolded and two wolves rushed into his cell. He was told the beasts were trained to attack prisoners if they moved. And Richard sat motionless, feeling their hot breath only inches from his face. As the months passed, the intensity of the torture increased. Guards pressed red hot irons into Richard's ribs. His skin sizzled under the heat, and within a few seconds he fainted. Then the guards revived him with searing pain of repeated burnings. Being branded with irons became an inferno as close to hell as Richard had ever experienced. And he pitied the guards who would spend eternity in similar torment. To make sure Richard didn't die prematurely, a doctor always presided over the torture sessions. At times, death seemed only seconds away. Richard was suffocated until unconscious, and his body was flogged until his lungs lacked the strength to inhale air. Jesus was whipped also, Richard remembered. What a privilege to share in the very sufferings Christ endured. The cries and moans of nearby prisoners rang throughout the night, especially when their limbs were torn, "'from their joints on a rack, "'a device that stretched the body "'until a prisoner's bones popped out of the sockets. "'The mere mention of the rack instilled fear "'and extracted many confessions. "'Where are the names of those "'who passed the secrets on to you?' "'They demanded. "'Richard wrote down numerous names and addresses, "'but he never betrayed friends. "'The names belonged to those who had already died "'or escaped to the West.' Before his arrest, Richard never dreaded mockery or humiliation, but all that changed when the two gods spat and urinated in his mouth while others watched and laughed. Under torture, Richard was forced to confess to being a homosexual, an adulterer, a thief, a spy, a traitor. At night, he retired to his cell, weeping from the emotional trauma of the day and praying for strength to endure the next day's torment. Why don't you give in? It's so futile. You're only flesh. And you'll break in the end. The communists believed that a man would do anything to avoid being put to death. A prisoner, they believed, would confess everything for his freedom. Richard sat alone in solitary confinement, dreading the torture the next day would bring. But he believed that life consisted more than flesh, blood, and bone. His captors could brand, flog, mock, and humiliate him. But not even all the communists in Europe combined. Could rob him of his soul. His soul was held in hands
0: too powerful to pry apart. That's a man. That's a man who did not forget the steadfast love of
1: the Lord. That made my surgery experience pale, and probably every
0: one of us too. But the love of God is so powerful, so powerful, that it will not
1: let you go. It will not let me go. Whatever trials we go through, emotionally, physically, whether it's external or internal, the love of God is loyal to you and to me. And when we remember that, when we remember the depth of his love,
0: it brings gratitude. What are some ways that he's loved us? What are some ways? Here's what I wrote down. He told us.
1: In John, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 25 and 24, 24, and 25, Jesus said that when you and I follow him, we'll have a rough life. Life will not be easy, quite frankly, Jesus promised. This is what he said. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house, which is, him, which is Jesus, Beelzebub, how much more will they malign you? If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, therefore the world will hate you.
0: But Jesus doesn't lie. He says, listen, following me is not going to be easy, folks. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be some hardships that come with that.
1: But he also says, in in, the book of Hebrews, he says, I give them eternal life, that they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I'm sorry, this is John chapter 10. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. He says, listen, I am not going to leave you. You're going to go through hard stuff, hard times, but I am not going to leave you at all. And even, even if you are faithless to me, I will be faithful to you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, those who are faithless, he remains faithful to. So if you're going, hey, you know what? I have, I have really screwed up. I've really made some mistakes lately. I've really failed. I've been thinking about things. I've been saying things. I've been doing things that the Lord has told me not to do. You know what? The Lord still loves you. He's not forgotten you. He has not moved away from you one bit. His love is steadfast. It's loyal. He understood from the get-go you would do that. Do you realize that when the Lord called you and me, we were not his friends? When he called you and me to the table of friendship, the table of reconciliation, we were far from him. It says this. It says in the book, I'm going to turn to this. In Romans chapter 5, it says this. This talks about the love of your God. It while we were still weak, Romans chapter 5, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God chose his love with us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Think about that. That's the love of your God. While you were an enemy of God, you weren't seeking him. You weren't talking to him. You were going the other way. In fact, you were setting up barriers not to listen to him, not to
0: obey him. You were calling. You were making war with him. He died for you.
1: So if, you're, if you said, Michael, I'm, I'm really messing up right now. That's okay. You were really messing up when he, when he, when he re- reconciled you. You were in a bad spot, and he still loved you so much that he saved you, that he made you a son. He made you a daughter of, the, of him. So, hey, what do you do when you mess up? You confess it and you enjoy his forgiveness, and you enjoy his love.
0: so important to remember that. So important. I put this also. He's promised you a future.
1: He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So if God is so faithful to you here and now, if he's never let you down, if he's not lied to you, you know, if he, he didn't tell us it would be an easy life. And he told us he'd be with us.
0: And he also said he'd come back for us. That we can hang our hat on, say, "Man, he loves me so much that he's coming back for me. He's not forgotten. That's powerful. That's what Richard Warrenbrandt in prison,
1: that's what he hung his hat on. the promises of God. He looked back and said, "You know what? God has not forgotten me ever. God has kept his promises to me, even in these days. Dungeons, these prisons. He has never failed me in eight years. He came out joyous. In fact, he said, <laughs> "He said, Lord, he said, make me not happier that I'm out. Help me to remember that you're with me there, and you're with me now, and that's my happiness." Then he had three years of reprieving. Then he went back for five and a half years, and his attitude didn't change. And he suffered the same things he suffered the first time. And he comes out of it, and this is what he said.
0: This is what he wrote, I should say. The suffering, the tough times.
1: He He didn't look back with regret, with anger to the Lord. He was grateful. For Richard, solitary confinement. Deepened his capacity to enjoy the Savior. That's what the hard times do. Hard times help us to enjoy our God, help us to see his faithfulness, his loyalty. It helps us to to see that his love runs deep,
0: not shallow. His love is wide, not narrow. His love goes with us to in and out.
1: Goes with us to cos. Goes with us to the tough relationships. Goes with us through the, tor- the times of internal torture. You know, sometimes some of us have internal tortures, insecurities, and it kills us. And sometimes we think, "Lord, are you here?" I, I don't see you. I've been dealing with this for twenty years. Sometimes it's external tortures. Maybe it's the boss. Maybe it's a family member. It's a real tough time, and we feel like we have no reprieve. But his steadfast love has not moved. He's taking you through it. He's not forgotten you, and he rejoices over you.
0: That's how deep his love is. And when we stop and when we think
1: about that, because we live in a busy society, when we stop and think about that, that will help our gratitude to grow. And peace, like we've never experienced, will come into our lives. We remember how great our God loves us and how he never, never abandons us. So as we have time to sing a few songs of praise and time to ponder, ask the Lord to help you to grow in gratitude. Ask the Lord to help you to see just how great his love is, to cause you to remember, to think back about the times when he has never abandoned you even when it seemed like he wasn't there. Psalm 13, verse 3. Light up my eyes. That's what David says. Four times, how long? Then he says, Lord, light up my eyes. In other words, do something so that I have hope. Do something. Do something. He says, lest... He says this, lest three times, lest my enemy says I have prevailed over him, lest I sleep the sleep of death, and lest my foes rejoice. In other words, if you don't do something, Lord, I ain't making it out of this. You're my only hope. So when you and I are going through difficult times, call out to him. He is our only hope. We do have an enemy. Ephesians chapter 6 said, our enemy is not flesh and blood not the people around you even those who are being harsh and cruel to you because we have an enemy and it's the devil the devil and his de- dominions they're enemy what they want to do is steal your joy steal your gratitude steal your hope they want to lie to you and say you know what God doesn't care about you at all That's his plan, to steal the joy of your salvation. <laughs> but I have tr- trusted in your steadfast love. David's not out of it. David's not out of it. He says, but I'm going to trust in your steadfast love. And he says, my heart shall rejoice, and I will sing to you, because you have dealt bountifully with me. So his troubles aren't over but his heart is beginning to sing because he knows who his God is. I'd encourage you this week, recall three things. Recall the faithfulness of God in your life. If you cannot remember the faithfulness of God in your life, ask him to reveal it. Second, recall his bountiful actions. You see what David said? You have been bountiful to me. He can recall, recall. the time that he was saved when he was um, taking care of the sheep. We call the time that he was saved from his father-in-law. We call the time that he was saved from his son, and said, "Each time, you have been bountiful to me, even when I have sinned, you have been kind to me." So we call his bountiful action to you, and third, recall his goodness. Recall his goodness. You can't remember his goodness. Just look at the cross. Just look at the cross. A torturous device designed to kill. He says this in John 10. He says, no one, he goes, no one takes my life. I lay it down on my own. So while you and I were still sinners, Christ willingly died for us. Look at the cross. If you can't remember his goodness, look at the cross and tell the enemy go away because my God is good. My God is faithful. My God is Hesed. He's loyal to me. Don't forget that. Hopefully that'll encourage
0: you. Hopefully that'll increase your gratitude. I'm hoping it'll increase my gratitude as well.